Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Hermic, how you doing? <sighs> Heavy suck. <laughs> I swear. Are you on a roller coaster? I am. You just get off like well, it, you know, break. It's, it, the ride it's, broke down. Ride didn't break down. It's just it keeps going in circles and circles. And when you think it's gonna stop, it's like, nope, let's put you on another spin. This is like the Eagles. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Uh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, wow. I I mean, okay, so to preface all of my, I don't know, angst, worry, whatever you want to call it, you know, we've been renters for a while, long-term renters and stuff. And so it's been a while since I was in the market for a house. And when we were, when we last owned our own home, the market wasn't like this. It was more of a buyer's market than a seller's market i think there was more inventory out in the world and the and and i don't remember to be quite honest with you i don't even remember what my uh interest rate was back then but it, right when we thought the ride was over with and we were about to hop off and and everything else the interest rates started to climb well, the interest rates climbed up enough where we started to feel a little uncomfortable with where where it was going to put us financially. You know, it's not like it's not something that we couldn't afford. It was just something that we weren't quite sure we wanted to afford it like that, you know. And and so for once I I made a um look before I leap decision instead of my leap before I look decisions. Um, which is a good thing, right? And so now you're 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 back on the ride and you're rolling around and you don't see an end to it. And, and it's all in perspective, you know, we've, we've set many a virtual tour um, because, you know, this is a move out of state. And so long distance, long right. distance. And so, you know, it's kind of tough, but then we look at, you know, then we, you know, set these virtual tours up and we're just like, you know, we, we really like a, a couple of these and, there is no way that a virtual tour is going to really do it justice. And so I think I've said that, you know, we've driven there. So now we've driven there four weekends in a, yeah, in a row. Just a small, just a, just a short jaunt. Just a short little jaunt of nine hours there, nine hours back, 12, Ad nauseum. Yeah. 12 <laughs> 1300 miles worth of driving for literally less than 24 hours of of it all you know you wake up um well that's good you don't want to accumulate you know overnight expenses <laughs> as much as possible yeah true yeah and everybody's just like oh my god you're insane you should just fly and I'm like wait what do you like we're trying to buy a home so <laughs> all expenses right now are are locked oh into gosh. something else not just not to mention time is money Cormac that's what yeah. they're saying time is money. not to mention the fact that 
at the same time as we're moving, we also have a child starting college. And, you know, there's, I don't know if anybody knows this, but, you know, college is a bit expensive these days. It's just one of these, I should have known what to expect, but I, I don't know, convinced myself, oh, it's going to be fine. And, and so I've gotten to the stage where, you know, the tables have turned, whereas my wife was the pessimist and I was the optimist who now four long weekend trips in a row later, I'm becoming the pessimist and she's becoming the optimist. She's like, it'll work out. It'll work out. So There's you, something. you originally thought this was, this was going to be no sweat. No, Easy. no, no. Didn't think it was going to be no sweat. <laughs> that part I was a realist on. I just thought uh-huh. that, you know, we're putting in good offers, you know, how could they not take our offer? Well, it's it's not uh, <laughs> it's not that they you know can't take our offer. It's just these are the stories we tell ourselves. Totally, like totally, this is man. exactly how it works. Right? Totally, and so and now we're looking at and and I've gotten some advice from you know several people, but you were first. It's like you know just buy the worst house in the best neighborhood, <laughs> and. <laughs> Sweat equity. Yeah. And and so at first I was like, ah, you know, I really want to, uh, you know, I just want to ease into a house, not have to worry about fixing things up and all of this other stuff. But then I also was thinking to myself, who am I kidding? I want to make the house my own. I mean, that's what architects do. I mean, we, we want to shape things the way we would like them, especially our home, you know, and there's been numerous times when, I've I've had the opportunity to try to at least just like, you know, shape it and, you know, form it and all that other stuff. You're doing the same thing. And so, you know, it's just like, well, you know, maybe that's not a bad idea. And I'm just like, so I keep teetering back and forth with this. Do I want a project? Do I not want a project? Do I, do I really want to put us through, you know, potentially several years of, of renovations and changes and things like that? Or, you know, am I okay with just, moving on and, and like, you know, really. And, and so just, uh, you know, you've got those in, in, in where we're looking, we've, we've now come to the realization that for us to fit within our budget, it's going to be a fixer up. It's going to be something that can pass inspection. And it's like that, eh, it's good enough to, then you can make it your own. Do we buy in the community that we want? you know, with all aspects of that word is like, you know, true where we're, you know, where we've been looking, which is in the Gross Point, Michigan area. It, it is a tremendously amazing community. You know, um, it's kind of an interesting architectural time capsule as well, because it was, it was being developed, you know, kind of like in the rise of the automotive industry. And these were places that were, it was growing up when the auto industry was growing up. And so when the wealth of the auto execs and stuff were, were rising, so was gross point. And it's seen its ups and downs and everything else, just like the, the auto industry and just like Detroit itself. But it, it's, it's kept the, it, it's kept this architectural nature to it. That just is, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's quintessential. It's it's hard to explain, and as we you know get further along this journey, I'll you know I'll share photos and pictures and everything else, and maybe even like show. It's just like okay, Cormac bought a fixer upper, <laughs> um, but it's uh, 
so it's 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 this you know kind of commitment to the lifestyle it's the way of life it's it's like what what we want not the lifestyle of like the fixer upper but the lifestyle of like this is the way yeah exactly you know it's it's and so but to do that there's some sacrifices that are going to need to be made and so i i just think that it's um yeah back to your original original question Hmm. (sighs) yeah That's the answer. <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah, I could imagine it. It is incredibly tiring, and kind of grappling with the thought of having to do all of the projects and what that what that really means. Because there's there's like this there's this idea of like what you think that means, and then there's the reality of it. And I I have done those things, and I've continued to do those things, and I still haven't figured out the reality of it w- ahead of time. Never. So the toll is is large. I mean, and, and that has to be kind of understood by everybody up front is the toll of doing the projects yourself because the sweat equity is the biggest driving factor is it, it you cannot be understated. And obviously, like, I'm not trained in any of this stuff, right? When it comes to installation of drywall or electrical or plumb like i can do it yes but am i trained in it is it an expertise no does it take 10 times longer than it takes a professional yeah the answer is yes and and then how does that actually play out on a timeline when you're living in the space as well and trying to balance work and family and activities and kids and all you know all that stuff in addition is that that's where it gets really hard to kind of plan that all out or see it you know in its reality so like i'm saying i still i still haven't figured that out myself and i've done it quite a few times and then and then you have to think about the logistics of it all and the materials prices and the the tool all the tools that you will need to do the things where can you get them do you need to buy them can you rent them can you borrow them who has them where do you store them (laughs) all those things yeah man complex well the good thing is is that all of the places that uh we are looking at all have like you know detached two-car garages i'm like well there's the workshop you know but it's the the, you know there's a workshop but there's a workshop that needs to be filled and it needs to be filled with tools that i don't have because i didn't need them i have some but you know it's funny is like the last time I was a homeowner, I had all of those things because I was doing all of those changes. I was updating things. I was doing drywall. I was doing, you know, I was moving plumbing and piping around and, and elect, you know, electrical work and all of this other stuff. And then we just through time over the course of the last uh, 20 years have been moving around and, you know, renting and, and all of these other things. And it's just, you know, it's just like, well, I don't really need these. I'm, you know, every time we move, it's just more stuff to carry. So let's just sell this off. And, and so now, now we're back at the, it's just like, oh, really? Yeah. You right. Know, like table yeah, and, then, and then once you have that stuff, justifying it's your possession of it beyond the use of the, of the one job is rather impossible. But then you look at it, it's just like, okay, so if I don't want to do all of that, then the alternative is that I'm going to pay somebody else to do all the stuff. And yes, it'll probably get done faster, but you know, no, no, I'll save, and here's the big air quotes, I'll save money 
uh, you know, think of all of the labor that I'm saving. And, and then you are a perfect example of sure you're saving, you're, you're saving the, the, the labor from somebody else doing it. But how many times have you gone back to the tool store? How many times have you gone back to the hardware store, the lumber yard, or all of these other things? And so you add all of that together and you say, could I have saved time and money and become efficient? And, and so people wonder, like, I always thought that architects were rich. I'm like, really? Have you ever... Have you ever talked to one that just says, yeah, I'm renovating my house. And it's just like, Ooh, you know, well, what contract are you using? No, I'm doing it myself. Like, okay, you're doing it yourself. And so you must be saving a lot of money. Ah, just the contrary. I'm spending three times as much and it's taking five times longer. So why are you doing, (laughs) but it's being done right. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) Oh, so, so you've done it so many times that you are, you know, you're really good at it. I've never done it before in my life. (laughs) you're just like wow why 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 right like oh yeah i mean it is interesting to think about it in terms of being an architect and selling time for money that's basically what all architects do (laughs) and then when it comes to so therefore like if just with that statement alone you would you would think that time is your most valuable resource and if you're going to spend two to five to 10 times longer to do something that somebody else could do doesn't add up, does it? No, no. Now, you know, I mean, it if it's part of like, say a business model, like the Eric Reinholds or, or people like that, who they do this kind of thing as part of their business model as builders, architects, designers, you know, this, this holistic approach, that's one thing, but you're just like, well, if you're the lunchbox architect that, you know, clocks in clocks out, and is working a full day and then coming home and then essentially working a full night. Um, it's just like, don't, don't worry, kids. Uh, the plastic will come down sometime in the near future that you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> okay, so I can give you something to look forward to. Oh, please. <laughs> which has to do with your children. When they say, hi, Freddie. When they say, why isn't this done yet? <laughs> Because, you know, they they do so much to help. They, they by playing video games, by doing the sporting, all of those things, you know, helping around the house. Why isn't this done yet? When are we going to finish? When is, when is the kitchen, when is the whatever project going to be done? Wow, this has really been going on for a long time now. Like all these, all these, these things that just like, just get out the, the, the pointy object and stick it in your side, right? <laughs> just jabbing you and at some point it becomes sport for them to do that and uh they they take great enjoyment by seeing you like give them the the look like i it's done enough it's good enough right <laughs> we can now live in it that is good enough that's as far as i could take it because that like finishing it is actually really the really hard part starting it doing the demo that's fun okay and then and then when you actually get in there and work and you realize that, oh, man, this is taking a lot longer than I thought. Oh, this is a lot harder than I thought. Oh, wow. I didn't see this problem coming. How am I going to solve that? Oh, I'm going to have to get some more tools. I'm going to get some more materials. I'm going to have to change what I thought about this. Oh, I didn't order enough of that. I got to order some more. All those things. And then it's like 80%, man. And you're just like, 
you are mentally done with it. You just can't take any more of it. And uh, that last 10, you know, 15, 20% is just so, so hard to actually do yourself. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> you sound like you've got a little PTSD. I, it, well, it's funny because it just happened this weekend again. Like it was, we had to order more mulch for the yard because, you know, it breaks down over time and we had some bare spots and we cleared off some new area that we wanted to cover. And so we, we got eight yards of mulch dumped in the driveway. Why? Because it's cheaper to do it yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, there has been so many, I mean, like every year, you know, I'm dropping the seats in the back of the, the truck and, and then I'm heading on off to the home store to get like, you know, and, and we don't have a very big yard and we don't have a lot of like mulched areas, but ends up like, you know, 10, 15 bags worth of mulch um, per season that we're, you know, like laying down and redoing and all of this other stuff and just zhuzhing the whole place up and everything. And, and so one of the interesting things about like this whole adventure of like looking at, okay, now we've reserved ourselves to, you know, probably, you know, looking at things that um, range from not, I won't say like true fixer uppers. I mean, everything that we look are looking at, it's like, oh yeah, we can live in this, but we want to change this or we want to change that. Or we know that this needs updating or that needs updating. And, you know, and it's just this like daisy chain effect of other things that we want to do. And so every time we walk into a new place that we know is, you know, within our range, we, um, we start, we fall down this rabbit hole of, okay, well, what are we going to fix? And it's just like, you know, this, you should, you should buy it first. So you don't spend any brain. Oh, I know. Any any brain cells on places you won't live but in, easy, but easier said than done, <laughs> you know, because and then live in it for a while before deciding that stuff. Well, you're right on all and all aspects of that, um, but it's easier said than done because one, I, I think my wife is just as much in the mindset of an architect as I am, where you know we are sitting there and we just look at things as just like okay. So if we buy this, what is the potential? What is, you know, what are the things that could, you know, make it ours? I mean, it, what would we do to this that we actually would think that it would be worth us choosing this one over this one kind of thing? And right now it's getting to the point where it's not, you know, what we choose. It's like whatever is going to choose us because <laughs> we're at that stage of just like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, anything, please. anything, just let this problem be done. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So you guys are going to head back out there again. Well, funny enough, look at some, look at the short list. Funny enough, um, the fifth weekend. So, so just short list. Let me just tell you that three out of the four weekends that we've gone there, we've actually left making offers on the house, on a, on a house, if not two houses. And a lot of times that's either rejected because you know, we're going through a VA loan process. Um, and in part of that process is, is a slightly more stringent um, inspection process and appraisal process that sellers I am now finding out are afraid of. What are they hiding? Well, well and, and that's the thing is just like, well, you know, so I, did I, did I tell you this story um, about one of the houses that we placed an offer on and then they, didn't accept our offer. 
this is a, a really nice, quirky Tudor house um, in the Gross Point Farms area. And it's 1,700, uh, 1,750 square feet, actually. So, you know, not a bad size. It was an odd layout, so it wasn't as efficient as, you know, the 1,700 could be. But it was still, you know, something that was kind of an interesting, <laughs> I always use the word interesting with this house, um, an interesting house. That, you know, you look at it and you're like, okay, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, in the 19, I think 1926, 1924 house, I can't remember now. But, you know, so it's, it's closing in on 100 years old. Um, but funny enough, it has like really strong, good bones. Now, its circulatory system, eh, on the other hand, maybe not so much. So they rejected our offer because um, the seller basically was worried that it wouldn't pass inspection. So he went with another offer. So as that offer was... Um, so there's another offer where it's just, you know, more lenient with the inspection? Well, I guess. yes. So, but this was an unoccupied house. And during the wintertime in Michigan, they turned off all of the water. Now this is radiators. So radi- radiant heating. And they turned off all of the pipes. The pipes froze. Inspector comes in, turns the water back on. Pipes burst. Everywhere. Dodged a bullet. In the house. And. I think we did talk about this. Yeah, but. And so, and so when we went back to look at it because then they came back to us and said well you guys still interested in this house oh my god so we were like well you know you're like yeah just take 100k off well you know we we were saying (laughs) look you know i mean we're not going to offer the same amount you know obviously we're going to come down in price because you know and now he's looking at an anchor that he's got you know around his neck and so we walk in and I'm just like, huh, this is a lot of new drywall that's going on here and, you know, really poorly done and not patched in very well. And, you know, you can just smell the, the water damage in there. And apparently once they were removing drywall and plaster and everything else to, to fix the, the plumbing issue, they found black mold. And we're like, yeah, nah, thank you though. I mean, best to avoid. I mean, like, I appreciate your um i appreciate the return on this uh you said no and so please accept us saying no as well (laughs) and so we're just like dodged a bullet there i mean would it have put us where we wanted to be sure do do we understand that it would have been a fixer-upper anyway sure do we want to like live in a black mold infested home no (laughs) yeah so so we were like, whew, dodged that bullet. And so unfortunately, like every house that's been around this long has something like that behind the, the plaster. Oh, yeah. And the drywall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you just don't know where or when or how large that's going to be. And it, but it's there. They're all there. <laughs> Definitely. And so I have no, and, and I think I've said this before, but I have no just I, I I know what I'm getting into. How about I let's just say that I you know, if, if we're looking at homes that are almost a hundred years old, were they made with uh the best waterproofing? No. Were they made with the best insulation? No. You know. They might have been made with the best of those things at that time. Which was not. But you know, maybe. <laughs> which which in nineteen twenty six was none of of, you know, like the 
modern technologies. Oh man, I've opened up walls in my house and there's just, there's just no insulation. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the house (laughs) I'm in right now, I mean, during the winter time, you lean up against the wall, you feel like you're sitting inside and leaning up against the wall of your freezer because it's that cold. And you're just like, I mean, I wonder, you wonder why our single pane aluminum frame windows when we wake up are completely covered in condensation because you know there's like no thermal barriers of any kind so anyway yeah so that's the adventure and the adventure continues let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors systems and standard operating procedures you already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want you need systems and procedures but you struggle with choosing the systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so you can get back to doing what you love most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by an acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to become managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free and it's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to our conversation. I I think in a way we seem to be panicked that we won't find anything. And because there's such a small inventory out there and everybody's looking right now, and because of the interest rates that are climbing in the, you know, and, and we were talking with our lender and the, the lenders were like, you know, look, the, you know, we've, we've been in meetings where the fed is, is eyeballing a 7% uh, rate. I'm like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> like, I don't Yeah. Know. So, so have you guys really considered just not buying? We are. And that is a choice, right? I mean, I, totally I get it ch- moving twice would suck but yeah. is there a worse time than right now to try to buy a house uh Just throwing it out there i, I yeah look <laughs> we're 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 getting to that stage um of of that kind of thinking and we're just not sure right now and, and i think that we've how have you looked at the rental market at all i know you're renting right now but you've been in this place a long time so what's what's the rental market like right now uh, you, you know here's the thing is the rental market you know the the rental rates they're they're going up as well i mean because people are that's what i would assume people are sitting on houses that they you know would otherwise probably want to sell and they're like okay well i've i've moved out 
like we're, we're looking at one where the, the owner, you know, it's been unoccupied and the owner moved out and they're in another state now and they want to get rid of the house, but they also see that, you know, they're, you know, that, that, you know, buyers are getting a little slim because the interest rates priced out. Yeah. They're getting priced out. And interesting. So, so it's, it kind of, they're, they're, these two are going together. Oh, absolutely. And it, and it's a, it's a, it's a tough one out there because, you know, I mean, there's comfort zones that everybody is looking at, you know, wanting to maintain. And for us and me being a remote worker and knowing that I'm going to have to, you know, every once in a great while travel back and forth to the office, which probably is going to be an out of pocket expense, things like that. You know, it's just like, we want to be smart. I mean, like we don't want to live for a house, you know, we, we want to live in a house, but I don't want to live for a house. And, and so, you know, it's, it's just, it, I've, I have learned more about, I've learned more about, uh, finances and economics and everything else of the housing market in my four week crash course than yeah, I knew kind of how it works, you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, What's interesting that I've also learned is that the the interest rates for VA loans are actually amongst the lowest right now. And so to still be able to get into a decent rate, now is the time. Um, if I wait any longer, then the, the, you know those loans will continue to escalate just like conventional or FHA loans and things like that, you know. And... You know, and the only ones who aren't suffering right now, which a few of our offers that were rejected were cash offers. Cash is king, man. That's interesting. Yeah. Damn cash. Yeah. I, I don't know where it comes from. I honestly uh, just uh, don't even understand how that works. <laughs> it's totally foreign to me. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, I, I people are just like, oh, you know, well, we have, you know, we have a cash offer. And so the uh, seller decided to go with them. Like, I mean, bummer for me, but totally makes sense. I mean, at least you've got something that's guaranteed. I'm just wondering. I've read something about that, that it doesn't make sense. It does make sense on the surface, but in the bigger picture, I I, I don't remember the, the details other than it's not the best solution all the time, but people seem to jump at it because it sounds like there's just some kind of myth that it is. Well, for for at least the seller, it's, you know, like they don't have to worry about whether or not the buyer has got their financing in order, whether or not, you know, like all of these other unknowns um, where I don't know if it makes sense for the buyer. I mean, but I mean, whatever. I mean, to each his own. So this is your newest, biggest problem. So you've jumped in and you've learned so much <laughs> so fast. Yeah. This crash course, you said. Yes. Um, isn't that interesting? Just psychologically, that's kind of how it works. Right. And, and I mean, that's no different than any anybody who has to learn something for some reason or another can learn it pretty quickly, at least the foundational stuff. And it's so interesting to think about that as a, a way to solve a problem, right? <laughs> Especially now where information is just so freely available. You just have to kind of pick the right, like, like this is easy or something, pick the right teacher. Um, but the information is out there. and. I think that that is such an interesting thing because I, I think about our profession and how we've kind of just boiled this frog, right? And gotten to the point where 
We continue to solve problems the exact same way as we've always solved problems. There, there's very small differences from the projects we're doing now to the projects we were doing 10 or 20 or 25 or 30 years ago, as far as the approach, right? Like some of the technology has changed. Some of the delivery has changed, but kind of not, right? Like it's still the same type of contracts. We're still doing the drawings. We're doing all the sheets. We're doing more of the drawings than we've done before. And it's just so interesting to think like, because there's no existential crisis, like you're facing right now, like we've got to move, we're going to move several states away, we've got to do it in the next month, like, that's an existential crisis of some magnitude, right? (laughs) So, but, but our profession doesn't have that existential crisis, it doesn't seem to have it, even though I think it is there. Like you look at climate change, you look at the energy codes, you look at, I mean, the price of building materials, like I keep seeing people on Twitter, like architects saying, How long are people going to put up with this? Our clients, how long are our clients going to continue to say yes to $120 sheets of plywood, right? Like what, that's, this is an existential crisis, but people continue to like, yeah, I guess this is, we have no choice, right? There's this, we have no choice. We have to do this. So we're going to pay for this. And these companies that, that produce these commodity materials are saying, yeah, we'll take your money right now because we can, because everybody continues to pay these. Like this is the new supply and demand ratio and people are willing to demand the price we're asking for the supply. And here we are as architects, like kind of like holding our hands up, like, whoa, I don't know that there's anything we can do about this and we're going to continue to do it. Like we we don't have this, we're going to solve this problem. We're going to jump in and fix the way that we do things. Uh, I, I don't know. Just just an observation, I guess, more than anything. It's just, wow. You, you, We do see how we can change our behavior, change our tactics, change our strategies when you feel threatened, right? Like this is the total, you know, amygdala, <laughs> the lizard brain, fight or flight. Like we're, we're going to fight right now. Like we're going to dig in and we're going to solve this. Because there's this this threat, right? Of like, man, we got to do this thing. Architecture doesn't seem to respond to that. I think that's super interesting. Yeah, no, right. So there's my observation for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and what do we do about that? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's an observation. It's not really like a. But these are the kinds of conversations that, like, you can take this idea and apply it to what we what we see in our profession, and say, huh, how come it's like that? What are we getting? And then everybody kind of looks at the person next to them and say, I thought you were doing something about that. <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, and cut. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Uh, I would love to know what people, what people think about that. I know there are people trying to, trying to do things about that, but I think at scale, our industry is just kind of failed in this regard of actually addressing these kind these types of problems and it's just like no we're just gonna keep doing what we've always done right like they say that's the most dangerous words ever uttered in an office we're gonna do it because it's the way we've always done it and yet yet like that's it that that's how it that's actually how it works right right, right. yeah well that's how you know that's the it's kind of like the lack of effort that we put into to it it's just like okay well we know what the you know we we know what the problem is but 
it's this is it's almost like this lack of R&D that we've talked about in the past where, you know, we know that there's things that we've got to change. There's there's approaches we've got to change and things like that, that we can make, you know, these issues better. But we don't because that would expend more time, more budget than we're willing to to put in. And so we say, well, okay, well, then, you know, let the next person figure it out. Well, let's just get through this one and we'll look, you know, we'll think about it on the next project or the next project or the next project, you know? Yeah. And and so we just keep kicking the can down the road rather than just saying, you know, Hey, let's try to tackle this, you know, head on, because this is something that not only will benefit, like just say the client at hand, but the client, the profession and the industry wide now and later on down the road. Yeah, that Venn diagram. I think this is part of the issue, right? Is that we don't have, we as in the profession, maybe even the building industry has an identity problem. Like who are we and why do we exist? I think it is kind of interesting to think about that overarching issue because different firms the profession itself can't really pin it down. And because we can't pin it down, we can't communicate it to others to see the value in it. And so therefore we just become like, in our case, yes, men, right? Like, <laughs> cause we're men, we are the yes people. And, and so it's just like, can, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do anything. We'll do that. Yeah. We'll bend over backwards. Yeah. We'll, we'll do it for less. We'll, there's all of these these things because we can't communicate the value because we don't know who we are or why we exist. I mean, in, if you look at the, the history of architecture, it is we're artists. We are we serve the ultra rich, the powerful. Let's put it that way, not even the rich, the powerful. We are here to serve the powerful. We continue to do that, right? Like these are the clients who can afford architects. So even then, like we look at what comes on the cover of a magazine and it's the star architecture stuff that most architects don't get to do, but it's what we're communicating as our value is being able to build beautiful forms as a very small percentage of a built environment. And we still can't even communicate the value of it. Like, because we talk in pictures, we, we kind of understand as architects, the value of that stuff and it makes us feel good, but it's not communicating anything to anybody else except like wow that looks really freaking expensive you're wasting my money on my tax dollars in in the the case that i'm thinking about on that kind of stuff and so it is hard to translate that value because we don't know who we are like and i think there's a huge struggle within the profession right now of and we've seen this where there are a few architects trying to do the social good the environmental good but for the most part not right and so I think that, yeah, that identity crisis is really not serving us well. Anyway, more observations. I don't know. These are just kind of things that I, I just wonder, like, how long can it last? Does the prof- How long can this profession deserve to exist? Does it deserve to exist? Like, it serves a purpose, but I don't know if that... There are so many people trying to go around it, avoid it, don't need architects on 80% of the projects. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. don't even need them right why why would we want why would we want to spend more have more red tape 
I don't know. It just that there's a lot, there's a lot there to unpack. So uh, I think a lot of people just see us as being rather unpalatable, <laughs> our profession. <laughs> so avoid. Hmm. <sighs> Deep thoughts. Thanks for going on this journey with us. Exactly. Deep. Well, good luck, man. Yeah. Sounds like you're going to have a, a big uh, trip and hopefully some, something comes out of it this time in the positive, but it is a long road for sure. It's difficult. On top of all your other stuff, like, no, but you didn't ask for this. I know you guys want this because it makes a lot of sense for you guys, but this is a, it's a huge project in itself. Yeah. So, you know, just, I, I gave it, you know, a deep sigh in response, but now it's honestly, it's just a deep breath, you know, deep breath, strap in. Cause you're going enjoy, under. Well, <laughs> no. You're going to dive deep. Strap in, enjoy the ride. You know, don't. You know, you actually said it best is like, don't get wedded, you know, to any of these, just take it slow until you get the keys in your hand, you know, don't marry yourself to any of these things because it's not a reality till you have the keys in hand. Yeah. It just can't let it be emotional because once you do, then you get crushed and then it gets really hard to pick yourself up off the floor and do it again because you don't want to get crushed. Again. Right. Exactly. And I will say that there's been many, a, um, time in this, uh, funny enough, just four week adventure, really that, uh, we've gotten a little too emotionally attached. And I, I got to the point with my wife, I'm like, look, you know what? Here's the thing. I don't think I I can't get, I can't get wed to any of these anymore. I've got to just, you know, divorce myself from the emotion of, of all of this and just, just find the right place for us to get into the neighborhood we want to be in. And let's just kind of like figure it out when we're there, but let's, you know, let's just, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's still a pessimistic view or not. I don't feel like it is. I just feel like it's a, a the realist view. Yeah. I still have a question for you. This is, I think you're, I, I don't know where you fall on this, but this, cause I'm sure this is a gradient, but it's, the emotional attachment to a thing like this. And in this case, let's call it space, right? Which is something that we can relate to as architects and, and getting emotional about space versus um, a business decision. Like those are two very different approaches to it. Uh, and they might not lead to different outcomes. I guess they could. And then I, I just think about like the general person out there who is house shopping do you think that they fall onto the side of emotional connection with the thing as well i i I tend to sense that they do but i'm I'm wondering if you think that it's if they approach this more from a business uh strategy first or not because i don't know i mean i I, i'm not that other person so i I haven't i haven't asked that other person with this question so it's interesting is because we had started looking at this as purely an emotional, you know, attachment and, and pursuit. And then as we started to get into it a little bit more, it's just like, okay, you know, we're looking for a place, we're looking for a community, we're looking for, you know, all of these things. And then we got to this stage where like, okay, well, now we know that, you know, these ranges that we're looking at and stuff are going to be a little bit more you know, needing updates and stuff like that. Not to say that they're, 
you know, not ready to, to live in, but, you know, they're just, you know, legitimately going to need some updates. So as we're looking at that aspect of things, we're, we then are start looking at the financial aspect and say, okay, what, you know, what do we think is a likely return on our investment? If we, you know, if, if we go in low, we buy this place, we fix it up and later on down the road, we decide, you know, what, what are the cost benefits for all of this? And so we've, we've actually approached it in two different, you know, both emotionally and business, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 have you made a spreadsheet? <laughs> Not, <laughs> you need a spreadsheet to compare, you know, do, do comps uh, between these different properties. I th- oh, well, that kind of thing. we haven't done spreadsheets, but we, you know, we will sit down, we'll look at the numbers, we'll pull up like, like the tax records from, you know, not only the, you know, house that we look at, but also the house, um, um, you know, the adjacent houses and all the comps and everything. And we, you know, try to run all of the numbers and things. And it's just like, don't look at okay. the tax records, man. If you just uh, want to feel depressed. Oh my look gosh. At the tax yes. records. I know. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that too. But I mean, you know, but that, what that does though, is that other than the fact that you know, it's just like, we've assessed this property at this value. I'm like, well, then why are they selling it at that value? You know, cause, cause something doesn't equal up, but that right there, I was just like, eh, yeah, I already know this. So I'm not going to even bother asking that question, but just thinking though about this from a, like a business perspective, you know, this is what developers do when they're doing projects, right? And this is what Clifton at TestFit has built into his tool, TestFit, right? Which is there's a pro forma kind of all the numbers are on display as design decisions are being made. And I think this is something that came up on my other podcast, but it's like architects should be instead of communicating design just in the, you know, the value of design in the pictures and in the communication and in like the list of amenities, you should be communicating in the form of what is the monthly payment difference between this decision or that decision? Because that's that right there is the language that people can understand. Right. And if you can say like, man, you could have this amenity for $20 more per month over the life of the loan, would you do it? Right. Instead of that's going to cost five or six thousand dollars more. Right. And whatever the numbers actually work out to be. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like people that is a very different decision to to be made. Like you can live with one of those and you cannot live with the other most likely. Right. Uh, But it's the same thing in the end. So it's kind of interesting to think about as you, you know, developers think about these projects as Proformas. They think about them as business decisions. They think about them as investments and return on investments and those kinds of things. And and you are telling me like you guys got emotionally connected to this thing. And I'm wondering where normal people fall on that scale. Because I, I tend to think that for for most people, like because real estate and because buildings are not their business, they still tend to fall on the emotional side of things. But it does kind of open my eyes and potentially your eyes to looking at it from the other side and, and saying like, how can I be less attached, make a better decision that I'll feel better about. And then I can delayed gratification, fall in love with it later after it's really mine, you know, kind of a thing. I don't know. You guys have some homework to do. (laughs) I just assigned homework. I want you to now change your approach. (laughs) 
<laughs> sounds like you've already done it though you've you you've already started looking at those kinds of things and that i mean that's you kind of have to right when it's a an investment this big and i think that's another thing we get a little bit detached from when we're talking about architecture is these are the biggest decisions people make in their whole lives oh yeah yeah and we don't tend to think of it that way because we do it all the time right right, right? exactly and not only that but we're not invested in it it's not ours right so it, 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 we are further detached from it than I think we, we should be. But I think that that's another interesting way to look at it is like, wow, like these really are huge, huge decisions. People are spending their life savings on this thing, this one thing and this one process. So you can see why it's scary for a lot of people. And that's why they probably another reason why they avoid going to an architect, right? It's because they're, you can tell them a bunch of stuff. You're going to have them think about a bunch of stuff that they're not really emotionally prepared to think about or want to want to get into or trust you with right as a as a person they don't really know right right yeah it's interesting stuff to think about isn't it well best of luck man i mean you got this okay so first heavy sigh and deep breath yep heavy sigh deep breath <laughs> that's the order <laughs> that's the that's the order thank you to bqe the makers of bqe core for their support of this podcast episode Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out. And don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon.